Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a Lars slash Jessica. Hi, I'm Rebecca, and I'm a Lars slash Zoe slash Francis. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Francis slash Tony, and we are Big Little Podcast talking about episode seven of Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers. Carolyn, what the hell is going on at Tranquillum House this week? So much. All right. Well, the episode opens with a flashback to Masha's daughter's death, and she's sitting there cradling her as a tragic snow falls around them, which cuts back to Masha in our present at Tranquillium, and she's saying in Russian, I will be there soon. Before we can even register that, Carmel bursts in with the psychotic break we knew was coming and beats the shit out of Masha and then is taken away in a stretcher. Meanwhile, Heather and Napoleon have decided that they want to embrace the delusional world of having Zach back through drugs. And Napoleon feels like maybe this will help him forgive his wife, who he is now mad at because she caused his death by allowing him to take his asthma medication. And Zoe says what we're all thinking and tells them they need help. Meanwhile, Carmel is still strapped to a gurney like she, as she puts it, is in a fucking insane asylum. The others learn of this, are discussing it, and feel weird. Tony suggests he and Francis run off, get a house and a dog. And as he's saying this, he turns into a Fabio-looking romance character from one of Francis's novels. And honestly, at this point, I don't know what the fuck is happening and what is real and what isn't. <laughs> Lars comes to where Masha is dealing with Carmel, and he comes in to write his expose and film it, and Masha seems way too welcoming of this. Lars discloses that he knows that a guest died and that the wife of the guest who died thinks Masha did it. Masha simply explains that he died from eating too many cheeseburgers. Come on. <laughs> Francis is worried that Tony's love proposal is just his doom being replaced by optimism because of drugs. Masha tells Francis, no, no, it's Tony talking. And Francis says, I don't know about that. She also then says that she's been seeing herself as a kid and realizes that she is less of a person now than she was as a child who was fearless and bold and that now she is afraid. Masha, when being offered with this opportunity to be a therapist, just says, we're all afraid and then cackles in her face with a terrifying cackle. Oh my God, everyone, please leave. Please leave here. <laughs> Carmel is locked in a glass room and is starting to come out of her crazy fit and is worried about Masha. Really? You're worried about Masha? No. Zoe talks to Lars about her concern for everything that is happening. When Masha appears in her boho chic dress to get to talk to Zoe and takes her off to where she sits down with Zoe and her parents and tells her that she has to participate in this drug-fueled ghost hunt because she is the dominant player and Zoe does not want to be part of this laundry list of drugs to have a trip to see her brother again uh, but Lars is taping all of this they decide that they're going to do it and worst Masha decides she's going to join them and off they go great we get another Masha flashback and we see that shooter's eye Delilah Meanwhile, is told to do the five rhythms with Glory and the others to distract them while Masha takes the uh, others, the, Mar the Marconis, on their trip. And Delilah seems really worried about all of this and is really unhappy that Yao won't leave. Meanwhile, Tony finds Francis in the sauna who is trying to sweat out the drug toxins. Francis tells Tony that she's afraid she just can't trust him. He says he's been more honest with her than he has anyone, and that maybe it's just that she knows too much. Francis then tells him that she's worried they're both too damaged, and my heart breaks. I knew these two may not work out. <laughs> as this scene plays out, Moon River starts to play, and it breaks the moment as Francis faces a flashback of her vivacious young self with a Girl Scout troop or something in the woods. Meanwhile, Yao is giving Carmel more drugs, and Carmel is still babbling on that she's worried about Masha and that Masha hates her. 
Jessica and Ben are soaking in that hot spring and she's singing the wheels on the bus song and he gets real with her and says maybe she doesn't want him and all the money they were spending was because she wanted something else. She tells him this is ridiculous. She loves him. She wants to renew their vows. And then she says the most sensible thing that anyone has said in this episode and that is that the wheels are falling off this place. Truth. Masha is militantly getting ready for the 4 p.m. Marconi event when Lars confronts her about and about the last time she did this and a dude died and that he thinks she is doing this for personal reasons. Abso-fucking-lutely. Delilah is packing and going to the police. Finally, people are starting to come to their senses here. Frances is sitting on the edge of a cliff. Zoe sees her, rushes to go get, uh, to go tell Masha that she thinks Francis is on the edge. She finds Masha making this special tea with Glory. Masha comes up behind Francis. Francis explains she's not there jumping. It was just that her she followed her younger self there. Makes total sense. Masha and Francis have a weird friend-like moment. Very weird. Masha and Francis bond over the fact that they both lost their fathers young. Masha tells Francis about her daughter and that, and we learned that that is when she left Russia. Her daughter's name was Tatiana and that Masha felt her most unselfish and likable self as a mom. And for a moment, guys, for a tiny moment, I am not disgusted by Masha. <laughs> Meanwhile, Delilah is driving off in a truck. The gate won't open. She calls Masha, wants this fucking gate open, freaks out and drives through the fence. And Yao reveals to, to Masha that Delilah is going to the police. Why is he such a fucking snitch? <sighs> so, Francis also has told Masha that she's not nearly as odd as she comes off as they are sitting there on the cliff. But, no. Because she's off to Marconi time, where, again, she's going to be joining them on this journey for the blind leading the blind. They drink the tea. Yao is now in charge of this careening bus that the wheels are falling off of. Back to Carmel, who arrived with her wheels coming off her bus already, is singing Xanadu and doing a whole full dance number with her pillow. Iconic. And, yes. <laughs> and packing to, to leave and go to a real hospital because things seem a little nutso. Masha, who has just taken the drugs and they haven't quite settled in yet, arrives to talk her out of it. Carmel, as she's packing, is carrying around a contact case. At that moment, I'm like, oh, snap, here it is. And then there it is. We see that eye. And what, what is happening? Even though in the flashback it is a man. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm in a panic. And that's where we are. Let's go. Let's talk about this. All right. There's just so much. Carmel, 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 what is happening? I've ne First of all, I've never felt happier to see someone get their ass kicked than watching Carmel beat yes. up Masha. Does <laughs> Very cathartic. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and it was a great way to start the episode. I felt like, yes, jump right in there. We'll have her, f great. Let's get this thing going because I've been wondering when this was all going to like kick into high gear and this is it. Yeah, this episode moved at a breakneck pace. Like mm -hmm. it, there was nothing wasted. I mean, it was really, it felt like the first full jam-packed episode and I think that it's that it's worked well kind of being a slower burn mm. because now mm -hmm. it's it's really just feels like a wave crashing and everyone is as uh Jessica said the wheels in the bus are going round and round and it <laughs> it's not good <laughs> so I I was sort of left wondering about Carmel in this episode because I'm thinking about like okay so this woman wasn't just depressed she is full-on psychotic and violent and so I'm wondering about like the story she's told us about herself and her husband leaving her for a younger woman. It's not true. Yeah. And yeah. like, obviously he was a philanderer. He was cheating on her a lot, but like she, who we don't know how long she's been like straight up off her rocker and violent. So what did you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I think by the end of this episode, like Carmel is no victim. Like right. she <laughs> is, I, I I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if she even had a rocker to be off of ever. Um, <laughs> I think everything that we knew about Carmel is up for question, except that, like, this psychotic break was inevitable and epic. And 
I, I mean, dancing to Xanadu with your pillow is like going to mm. be my new breakdown go-to. <laughs> breakdown? I, like, I do that on a casual Wednesday night. <laughs> fair, fair. Are we just diving right in and talking about the whole Carmel of it all? Like, Yeah, I, I think it can't be avoided. Like, okay. What are we going to do? So are we to believe that Carmel is both obviously the shooter of Masha, mm-hmm. but also the person that's been sending the harassing texts. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, she's the shooter, but that I'm, phone. Because we see she has a she secret phone. She had yeah. the phone. In she her had room. a secret phone. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Somehow. She she like there's the whole shot where she uh, picks up a phone out of like the lampshade. Mm-hmm. And then oh, that's what happens when you're taking notes. You look down and you miss stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was a flash of a second, and then she put it in her suitcase. So she has a phone. So I, I think that, like, mm-hmm. it's got to be her, right? It would yeah. be too annoying at this point if that was just a red herring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so the next episode is the last one, correct? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is no way they're going to land this plane without Carmel being involved. Oh, I mean, she's definitely involved. It's just, like, to what extent? Right. Yeah. And did she come here to actually kill her? Because, you know, I was sort of thinking she really, she was genuinely there to try to get better and she wanted to get a behind-the-scenes look at this woman. And, like, but she seemed really, like, I mean, she seemed unhinged, but also, like, someone who's, like, yeah, generally a sweet person, just a little overwhelmingly so at the beginning yeah but that's what crazy does that crazy sneaks in and acts all like normal and meek right but that but i was thinking like the she was progressing towards this violence because of what was going on at tranquillum but if she's got this phone and she's been sending these texts the whole time like she was plotting this from the beginning it's like oh shit it didn't work the first time when i shot her so now i gotta go back no that's exactly what i i think is is happening here i think that she uh she came here with a whole like mild meek looking for help act and just was Mm -hmm. like using that to cover up the crazy i literally had a a call there was like a girl who i like lived with in college who was this I, oh God! Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she didn't like you know try to attack anyone, but she did once just wander off to the bathroom and cut herself baby bangs in the middle of like a Tuesday afternoon. Um, and <laughs> that's that, equally unhinged. It was really, it was terrifying. I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, and I, I think like this is exactly what. The, the, she she was never the Carmel that you saw, like, who's standing there saying to Lars, like, I'm coming here to get better. And he's like, good luck with that. Like, mm-hmm. that is the Carmel that she created to kind of cover up her whole plan. The only, Like, the weight loss thing seems so ridiculous yeah, to us in the beginning because they, she's it was always bullshit. Yeah. So, but my okay. big question is, the, the like... Yes, seeing the eye on her, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I saw her carrying the contact lens case, and it came together in my mind. But that's then they showed it again because it's clearly a man. So was her husband in on this? Is there somebody else? Like, what? what is going on? I, I have no... Was it clearly a man? I, th- I mean, there was, was facial hair, hair, but that could have been a false beard. Yeah, that's right. true. But I don't know. I don't know. Or is Carmel not Carmel? <gasps> Oh, but that's weird because then what's her, what's her, you know, what's her angle? Like, why is she trying to kill her? Like if, if she wasn't married to this guy who was stolen, you know what I mean? And, and Masha seemed to know who, to know that and know who she was. Right. That takes away the motivation if she had previously Mm -hmm. been a he. Yeah. I like the disguise idea better. Like she was just wearing a fake beard or something. Here's my question. We've been led to believe that Masha does these really thorough background checks on everyone, mm-hmm. but it seems like she did not do a thorough enough background check on Carmel. If this is if Carmel really is just completely, well, I, I mean, there would be no record of her shooting her, right? Because otherwise okay. she'd be in jail, right? So she got away with it. No one knew who shot Masha. I mean, I guess and... that's true. Yeah, and also like Carmel, you know, crazy is really good at dis- at disguising itself (laughs) 
literally and <laughs> and figuratively, <laughs> possibly. So I think that the fact that Masha knew who Carmel was and that she had had the affair with the husband, I think that all uh, plays out correctly. But I, I don't know. At, this is the first time that I'm excited for the next episode. This is the first mm-hmm. of all these episodes where I was like, oh my God, I wish I could just binge right into the next one. I kind of need to know right now. I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep over the next week waiting, but um, I really, I really do want to know. For the first time with this show, I'm like, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, and I give a shit. This is also the first episode that I felt like real emotions, like Francis's mm-hmm. whole journey, like confronting her childhood and feeling like she's not living up to the person she was as a kid, was just so well done and so real and honest. And I was like, wow, this show is really. Well, it's doing it. It's- yeah. Melissa McCarthy's portrayal of Francis is obviously mm-hmm. the standout actor. Yeah, get this woman an Emmy. Absolutely. She has been consistently the most real. She's been the only one delivering like real emotions that are not in any way uh, contrived feeling for me. I mean, Carmel, the actress playing Carmel is doing an amazing job playing crazy. Like, yes. A hundred percent. So Regina Hall is giving a fantastic yeah. performance. Regina Hall is giving a performance and it's sort of like the sleeper hit because it, she's really done this like slow burn with it and done all these layers. Uh, but as far as like tugging at your heartstrings and really like keeping you involved emotionally, Melissa McCarthy is carrying the weight of the show for me. Um, but like I said, there was that moment. So Nicole Kidman had two, like the two ends of Nicole Kidman here, like Mm -hmm. shown in this, where you had that like crazy laugh where I was like, all right, so she is just going for like cartoonish, wicked, like she's just trying to be like an over the top bizarre character when she's like cackling in her face that we're all afraid. But then she has that sit down with Francis later and there it was a very real scene and and I was like enjoying watching these two actresses really go at these characters and be real and raw and for a moment I was buying Masha but so again I mean maybe Nicole Kidman is pulling some sort of bait and switch on us and there's going to be some big reveal and she's really going to have like a lot of meat with this and layers kind of like how Carmel did I'm open to that happening, but I really, I think it's just, yet again, kind of this, like, Nicole Kidman, like, up and down, or, like, her accent, like, it's sort of all over the place. I feel like, you know, that scene sitting on the cliff with Francis was really, like, we got to see what Nicole Kidman can do. We can we got to see Nicole Kidman from Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this is, like, because there's there's the Masha who's putting on a show for everybody, and who is this tranquil, peaceful goddess roaming around in her crazy, gauzy white dresses? And then there's the Masha who's being real with people. And when she's being real with people, the performance is great, right? So yeah. I think, in a way, that shows us that the other performance is also great. It's a play within a play? Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's she's playing two sides of a yeah. character. Mm-hmm. There's the crazy character who's like wooden and completely phony and fake. And then there's the real Masha who's really vulnerable and sad and has had all this horrible stuff happen. And that's when you get to see how great Nicole Kidman really is. Hmm. So maybe she's just been great this whole time and our take was wrong. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I feel like I owe a lot of people apologies. I owe <laughs> Delilah an apology. I really wronged her and because she's the only one with the good sense to bust out of this joint. I was so satisfied when she busted through the fence. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be one of those things that she's got to turn around and go back and then she's going to die or something horrible. But when she just mm-hmm. drove that truck right through the fence, I was like, you go, girl. Go get And the she's police. smart, too, because I was like, just go through the gate. Why are you stopping? That truck will get through that gate. But she was like, no. There's this fence over here that's like barely anything. I'll just go over here. And I was like, get it, girl. Get out of here. Um, I feel like Glory also, like, I remember you saying how, like, Glory seems to be the normal one. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. Glory's there, like, fucking mixing up this, like, drug tea. And it's like, mmm, yes. Did I not call the DMT? Yeah. (laughs) I knew it was going there. Yeah. Yeah. I, back to the Nicole Kidman performance, though, thing. I think Mm -hmm. this last episode, like I said, we, I'm, I'm going to be willing to, like, 
eat my shit words if there is more of a onion layer peel to this uh, for her character, for Masha. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. But I, I'm still not entirely convinced that that's where we're headed with this. So, you know, let's talk about Francis and Masha a little bit more because I was thinking about this idea of, you know, what Francis is talking about, which is that, like, when she was young, she was really funny and bold and and she wasn't scared all the time. And I feel like that is, like, womanhood in a nutshell, you know? It's like you hit puberty and, like, all of a sudden you're self-conscious and you're yeah. anxious and you're wondering what everybody thinks about you instead of, like seven-year-old you who's just like no I can run faster than the boys and I don't care like that's all there is to it you know and so I really appreciated like that little nugget of a storyline and I think it's even more relatable now because we're all like yeah can we go back to a time when we could go out in public without worrying about who was sniffling near us and like so true and we all just want to go back and before all this started and be like oh crap someone someone like quarantine china for a little while you know like yeah i mean it was really relatable what did you and and i think that's what made masha's character relatable right because she has the same she has the same thing she has this trauma that she would love to go back to before yeah i thought it was a really beautiful contrast to some of the like punchier things quite literally that were happening this episode mm-hmm. and I think it was a nice way to acknowledge the development of Francis and Tony's relationship even though that scene in the sauna was heartbreaking mm-hmm. that like they are both having to confront a reality outside of Tranquillum and for Francis I think it's rectifying her past self with her current self and like learning how to love herself again and that's not going to be fulfilled by somebody else like that whole thing right. where she's saying is it Tony or is it the drugs that's mm-hmm. making Tony feel this way. And, like, I think she needs to do that for herself and realize, that, like, she's the only person that's going to be able to make her happy. And I think she's kind of inching closer towards that. And I just thought it was a really lovely juxtaposition to all of the <laughs> unhinged insanity that's happening with everyone mm-hmm. else. Um, can we all agree that Lars is not on drugs? Yes. At this point? Yeah. Like, yeah. Lars mm-hmm. is just dead sober. I, I, don't, can, I don't even think he's been taking anything this whole time. Like, he seems like no, he he's is... just having weird dreams because he's in a weird place. Yeah. And his dreams weren't even that weird. Like, no. that's a dream that if you had that traumatic history, like, you probably have. So Yeah. Okay. Uh, Glad we just got to get that out of the way, because this whole episode was like, all right, all right, all right. He's, everyone else is complaining of tingling and seeing people headless. And Lars is just like, um, I need to follow up on some of my leads here. Like, Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, I need to talk to you about your motivations. Can, can I get a quote? <laughs> Do you feel like this episode just all of a sudden dropped him into Lars the journalist whereas before he was sort of kind of you know he was more of a guest and sort of involved I mean this he he did have that sit down with Zoe but like he was definitely just there as a journalist in this episode his capacity Mm -hmm. had totally changed so that was kind of jarring to me like it it felt like a very big pivot in, in my mind, he felt mm. like because in the last episode he was he, where he was like floating on the float and kind of like blissed out. And now all of a sudden he's like fully awake, clearly not on any of these drugs. And but maybe he was to, acting just like everyone else. Exactly. Like, again, we don't know what's like real or fake. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. So well, I do think it's really interesting that we're kind of getting two sides to each one of these strangers. Mm. Like we've got. Mm-hmm people playing roles and then like they're a true reality kind of emerging and Francis is you know at the beginning talking about how she authors everything and she can't live in the moment but now she's getting to these really really deep things that stuff that's now beneath Paul like Paul seems like a very superficial worry now now that she's getting to like the real source of her unhappiness you've got Tony who's got a double life that he's contending with and trying to be happy the only two that really feel like they're haven't really changed that much, but I've just sort of like rediscovered who they were, but they weren't that far away from it as Jessica and Ben. Like they seem to be the most linear progression here, but everyone else feels like we're, we're dealing with like multiple layers and multiple sides and we don't necessarily know who's giving you their real authentic self and who's not. And Lars now to me feels like everything we've seen before has been the mask. And now that shit's hitting the fan, he's like, all right, I don't have time to keep this up and pretend like I too 
am on drugs. Like I need to just like go into full journalism mode because there, I don't even know where to look. There's so much craziness happening. Mm. So speaking of craziness and not really understanding entirely what's going on, like, <laughs> is Masha planning on dying? It seemed like at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. I'm still so confused about like the it's good to die stuff too. Like did Carmel write that? And like what does that mm-hmm. mean? Is Carmel going to kill her? Does Masha want Carmel to kill her? Maybe Masha knew Carmel was unhinged and had this plan and invited her because she wants to die. Yeah, maybe this is all like Masha's plan to just off herself so that she can be with her daughter. Yeah, I mean, that it definitely felt like she was like I'm I can't do this anymore. I'm going. I plan to be dead soon. But at the same time, like, why is she doing all of this then? Like, why is she putting the poor Marconis through this, you know, drug-induced psychosis to... Or so does she just mean like, oh, I'm going to be part of the drug-induced psychosis and I'm going to see you and interact with you again? Like, it's hard to tell which thing she means. Like, if that wasn't in this show, then, yeah, you'd think she was saying, I'm going to die. But maybe she's just going to be high as hell all the time and start hallucinating her daughter. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, and, and her, like, willingness to go on the trip with them and say it, like, gives you your imagination, like, reality, and her imagination is clearly of her daughter and the Marconis is of Zach. Like, maybe this is what she's trying to patent with Tranquillum is, like, a way to connect with the dead through mm-hmm. chemistry. But mm-hmm. I'm sorry, proprietary blend of LSD, DMT, mushrooms, <laughs> and ayahuasca is a bad call, objectively. Oh, like, PSA, 100%. don't do that. If someone ever offers you that... <laughs> Like, just say no. Just say no. Oh, my God. Our own little Nancy Reagan here is... You heard it here first. I've made a complete 180. I, too, have two sides to myself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is... First of all, like, how many times do you have to try to get the blend right? Yeah. Like, Mm -mm. what has been going on at this place to get the blend right in the first place? Also, her whole thing being, like, it was successful... But the guy died. She's like, yeah, he he saw his brother and all that in that he is now dead with his brother. I LOL. That's what I was was just like, bitch. Yeah, that's not it. So maybe she is just trying to kill them because that does seem like a lot of crazy hallucinogenics on top of each other. So maybe she's like, we're all just going to take it together. We're all going to die. The Marconis will be happy because they'll be with Zach again. I don't know. I think this lady is twisted. Yeah, I was like, at the very least, you might die of dehydration because... Yeah, yeah. for a wellness clinic, I haven't seen one glass of water consumed this whole time. Well, they're going to be, you know, ayahuasca is famous for making people be sick and Mm. out of every orifice. And, like, you add all those other drugs on top of it. I mean, and, I mean, I guess Yao and Glory are still there, but, like, who's going to make sure these people don't just, like barf till they're till they can't barf anymore and then don't drink any water and then just like die in the river or something it's or the cliffs like again like wellness retreat maybe don't have like raw cliff edge like right there where the guests (laughs) can wander off onto it yeah it does all feel like a place where if you're gonna try to kill yourself they make it sort of ample opportunities yeah yeah there's a lot of invitation for that um but I I don't I I've, I keep saying like what is Masha's game and here mm-hmm. we are going into the final episode and we don't know and I guess that makes this good TV you know what I mean like I said the fact that I am now on the edge of my seat wanting to know what happens uh I I think that I just have to admit that at the end of the day this is like it's good TV because it it makes you be like I don't know what is happening or is that not good TV is that just like salacious like preying upon your you know mind fuckability I mean I think it's good TV because it's this is the most compelling the show has been uh-huh. because for so long you're like what is happening but in a like is anything ever going to happen? Sort of <laughs> right. <way? laughs> right. And this is much more of like, okay, we're speeding towards this cliff and I don't know if we're going to go off it or not. And, you know, I think a lot about this show has grown on me. First of all, this episode there, you know, when Francis first confronts Masha after she sort of hallucinates Tony 
um, you know, asking her to go get a dog and like leave the place. Um, the camera starts doing this weird stuff where it feels like it's almost pulsating. Mm. And like you guys were saying last time, you felt really sort of disoriented and trippy. And I felt like there were at least some scenes in this that were very specifically designed to make you feel that way. Mm-hmm. That like to, to, to understand how they're feeling in this moment. And I also think like it's... It's interesting the way they're playing the different people, their different personalities, the different way they're all reacting to these drugs. And like, like Francis can't seem to shake it ever. Like there, everyone else has moments where they don't really seem like they're high anymore. But Francis is like, you know, she's in the sauna and she's got her robe on and Tony's like, she's, why are you wearing a robe in here? And she's like, oh, I thought I hung it up. But uh, I guess I didn't, you know, she's just like really out of, she's falling asleep in her oatmeal, whatever. Like she seems to have a hard time shaking it. Whereas like Lars barely seems like he's taken any drugs at all. And Zoe seems very lucid most of the time. And I think it's a really interesting, like, it really is a very perfect character study. Like it's very Agatha Christie or something like where you bring all these people together and see how they all react to this different situation. And but it takes a while to get to that point. And so I think it's really growing on me. And the music is growing on me too, because I know, Carolyn, you sounded a little disparaging of Moon River. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that song. I don't particularly love that version of the song, but I got so excited to hear it, much like I got excited about Stevie Nicks last week. Let me. I thought it was kind of funny choice for that scene but i i got really excited but the lyrics that. worked like yeah I, I no no no. It, yeah. let me clarify my moon river uh thing with this episode <laughs> okay i actually breakfast at tiffany's will always hold a special place in my heart uh mm. and the song moon river I, I i actually love that song and in fact mm. so i live next door to a symphony musician and mm. uh every so often so he plays a couple instruments and one of them is saxophone and he one morning I was like laying in bed cuddling my ginger cat and he was playing Moon River on the saxophone and I had the window open and there was like a breeze coming in and I was listening to Moon River and I was like oh my god I'm like living my Holly Golightly best (laughs) life right now um I love that song I actually think it's a beautiful song but I think that I wasn't like disparaging. I was more, it like actually just kind of like ripped me apart because of that song Mm -hmm. and like the context in which you think of it. And uh, I mean, if you've read the book Breakfast at Tiffany's, the Truman Capote novel, it does not have the happy ending that they gave to the Hollywood movie with Audrey Hepburn. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, is that, is that movie, you know, is that happy ending ever even possible for those two in Breakfast at Tiffany's? And I took that like context of that and I thought of these two characters who are just both kind of like these like wandering lost souls who are sort of ripped apart and broken and like can they find something together? And that song, the use of that song in that moment actually just like made me, it bummed me out because I was like, nope, this is definitely the sign that this is not happening for these individuals. Mm -hmm. So that's where I come from with that. Oh, well, let's say, I, you know, I'm kind of hoping that Frances, like, as she, you know, stops taking the drugs and everybody starts to realize what's going on, that she kind of gets her gumption back and can still kind of get it together with Tony, but I don't know. Uh-uh. Speaking of getting it together, what are we thinking about Ben and Jessica? Are, is this real? I actually think it is. I I don't know. I think that, I mean, this is, I. there's a part of me that says that they are like kind of too, you know how we've talked about all these other characters who have all these like layers that we're seeing and there's like two sides to them. Mm-hmm. Essentially, these two, I think, are actually kind of one, they're, they're one-sided. You know what I, mm-hmm. like, I think that they are who they are. Uh, I, I think that they're there. I think she chose them because they paid and their problem <laughs> was simple enough and that they were just going to kind of stay out of the way. Uh, so I, I think that that's why they're there. I don't, I don't think that they were ever something like she, even in that scene where like she, Masha runs into them and they're like, we're going to renew our vows. And she's like, that's great. Like she's so dismissive of them in a lot of ways. She wasn't even mm-hmm. giving them the good stuff at first, the drugs. 
So I think that they are just kind of, uh, they are not in any way lead characters here. (laughs) So that made me think like, okay, if we have to, let's talk about why we think Masha chose, you know, these people in particular. So if I think, let's assume she knew Lars was a journalist and her intention was always to let him tell the story of this place, to let everybody know what can happen here because she believes in it so fully so she chooses Lars for that reason she chooses Ben and Jessica to show like the power of you know MDMA to heal a relationship she chooses Tony to show the power of these drugs to get people off of much worse drugs yep she chooses Francis I don't know to show that self-esteem your confidence yeah self-esteem your confidence because that's i mean that's like a very human universal thing like the other things are more niche i mean Mm -hmm. love is obviously something everyone goes through in heartbreak but like i feel like francis Mm -hmm. is really like everyone can get behind struggling with their sense of self and all that keep going i'm Mm -hmm. very into this Mm, yeah okay so then we've got the marconis clearly this is about grief it's about healing from grief and possibly hallucinating your loved ones for the rest of your life (laughs) yeah um, and then we've got Carmel. Psychosis? Like, can drugs fix a psychotic it, brain? You know, she, right? I mean, Masha was doing the whole, like, Western medicine is much worse for you than the drugs I'm giving yeah. you thing. And that mm-hmm. was to her, yeah. right? right. So yeah. maybe that really is why. And maybe she didn't realize the extent of it, obviously, that Carmel is not only... Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Masha acknowledged in the previous episode she knew that Carmel was already taking psychotropic drugs, mm-hmm. which means she knows that Carmel has to have been diagnosed with something worthy of taking psychotropic drugs or to not just hand it out willy-nilly. So she, maybe that was the point. Like, I'm going to try and... But Carmel tells her, like, you know, I lied on my forms. I didn't tell you I was on psychotropic drugs. And she's like, we took your blood. We know. So yeah. in theory, she didn't know before she let her in. I mean, I guess that's true. You're very correct in that. Yeah. So she did yeah. not realize. So then, yeah, why why does she take Carmel? Because I mean, does she, she take her who... in just because she knows? Yes, yes. Because she... she knows that this is the woman whose husband she was sleeping with. So maybe right. it's jealousy, like overcoming jealousy and feelings of betrayal. She mm-hmm. thought that, like, that's something she can fix. And it comes to or... find out Carmel has got way more going on. Or maybe it was Masha's own selfish need to deal with the guilt of that, that she slept with this man who she knew was married. She has the opportunity now, she thinks, to heal this woman and that'll like help her guilt as she's like coming to terms with all this stuff. Because I do think that everything Masha is doing, there's a personal angle to. So Mm. maybe it is that she's like, she chose her to deal, you know, deal with her own. Like she you know, I can help her because I heard her kind of thing. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that explanation. (laughs) (laughs) So do we want to make some predictions? I feel like we're coming to the end of this. It's time for us to make some predictions about what's going to happen in the next episode. Uh, Rebecca, where do you think this is going? I really don't know at this point. Um, I would like to answer a question with a question, though, and mm-hmm. that is, do we think someone's actually going to die here, or do you think all nine of our strangers, Masha, Delilah, Yao, Justice for Glory, and anyone else that's <laughs> working there are all coming out alive from this? No. No. I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone, so either. I think someone's going to die. I, I think it's even possible that, like, multiple people... I There there could be. There there could be multiple uh, Are you coming tragedies. around to my they're all dead theory? <laughs> no. No. Damn no. It. <laughs> I'm not Dead coming. people can't die, Rebecca. Uh, yeah. I mean, you uh, don't know. You um, never died. <laughs> uh, I do, for me, I I also have like no clue where we're going with this. At, at this point, um, I, I honestly feel like anything could happen. And based on my history with television, most likely it will be an ending that I'm just pissed at. So I'm really braced for that. You've they, really as, been hurt by David. I He's done me dirty so many times. Um, I just don't, I don't think, 
I think anything that we think is obvious is not going to be the case. But yet also I think anything that we feel a resolution with is not going to be the case. Or worse, what we do think is obvious is the case. I don't know. That covers everything. (laughs) Anything could happen. And I'm braced to not like it. But I need to know. I really do. I think this one has a chance of having a satisfying ending. Now, they're kind of pushing us so hard in that direction that I'm wondering, can it possibly be true? But I think we're being set up very much here for some sort of Masha Carmel clash. And one of them has to die. I'm, you know, and we have Delilah out there somewhere coming back with the cops. And, and Lars is, got his phone and he's documenting the whole thing. So, like, I think those things all have to come together in some way. Yeah, I guess it's a race between Delilah coming back with the cops, the Marconis and Masha going on their, like, drug bender and God knows whatever else is happening. And also, like, the ticking time bomb and the fact that Masha, you know, she said there's 30 minutes before all those drugs take in. It took her probably, what, five minutes to walk over to Carmel. She's with Carmel for five minutes already. She's, like, 20 minutes away from being in La La Land. And she's mm-hmm. with a sociopath who told her, like, it's not safe to be around Yeah, talk you, about a recipe for a bad trip. Masha is not about to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're locked in that glass room, which seems like a bad place to keep someone you're trying to actually contain. Mm-hmm. Like, just pick up any heavy thing and try it, like, get out. Of, I mean, I guess it could be, like, hotel glass or something. But, you know, it, whatever. Um, I have a quick question. What mm-hmm. do we think... Carmel's eye is is caused by because it's it's very it's like doesn't have a pupil right so if you had a severe injury to the eye it is possible for it to like lose color and kind of get that milky quality uh like because it's not like a a heterochromia or anything where you've got like two different eyes it's very clearly like either a blinded eye a glaucoma cataract something like that yeah or even like i said a severe injury like a puncture wound to the eye oh gross would cause that kind of um that kind of coloration that kind of look um so i mean that that could be a part of Carmel's past of, you know, the, the finding out why her eye is like that is uh, something that I really would like to find out, but we may, we may never. Yeah, part of me thinks they just did that because they needed some sort of reveal that would let you, that would be instantly recognizable. Is that in the book? No, I mean, we're so far off script at this okay. point. Um, I was wondering about that because it, that to me was a really interesting tactic. I mean, as soon as I saw her holding the contact lens case, I was like, holy shit, it's coming. I got so giddy. Um, Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, like that was such a creepy image to see that, like, that's all we kept getting to see in the flashback was this like very haunting eye. And it was almost, we talked about like almost otherworldly, like ghostly Mm -hmm. and, um, and She's her, half White Walker. Yeah, yeah. It just feels so. I mean, even even in her reveal, like when she like flips up her eyelid, she did that. Actress Regina Hall did an amazing job, like fluttering her eye up to reveal that too. It was there really, was a lot of eye fluttering in this because there's actually like a Nicole Kidman scene too, where her eyes are like all over the place, and you're like, is she gonna have a seizure? Yeah, for a hot yeah, second? yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm, I just need to know. In some ways, I wish, I've actually, I enjoy when a show releases the old-fashioned way, you know, and Mm. you have to wait. But in this case, I was like, oh, come on, just give it to us. (laughs) Like, now I'm, you know, we're all, like, walking around unfinished. It was a cock tease. I need need to know. Um, but, you know, these the slow drip of a show, the, the old-fashioned way, is there's something to be said about that. And yeah. it definitely, I, I, I think that when we live in a world where we get so much in immediacy, it is, it is refreshing when a show is released like this. As frustrated as I am in this moment, just wanting to land this, you know, know what's happening here. 
All right, so let's get to our repeating questions. Um, I feel silly even asking, is Masha the real <laughs> deal or is she crazy? It feels like uh-huh. it should be like on a scale of one to 10, how crazy is Masha this week? Rebecca, what do you think? Oh boy. Um, I, I mean, I think we're, we've been cruising at a 10 this the last few yeah. episodes and I don't <laughs> think it's gone down at this episode. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with a 10. She's lost it. Rebecca, please make a gif for our social media of that scene where she's cackling wildly. Only um, if, if you say gif. It is not. Oh I refuse. God. No, refuse. I refuse. I mean, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse, and I will always call it a gif. Oh, um, that hurts me. I I know. It hurts everyone. It's like saying <laughs> But yes, Facebook. I can do that. <laughs> As yeah. the token millennial here, I absolutely can do that for you. We, yeah. Um, then uh, also, yeah, she's just 10 batshit crazy, maybe even escalated to an 11. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she's, she's gone full uh, spinal tap at this point. I mean, like the crazy hippie in me wants to be like, yeah, fuck Western medicine. Um, but like not this hard. Like you don't no. need to fuck it like ayahuasca DMT hard. Like Yeah, like give the psychotic lady her psychotropics back before she kills everybody. I also like, really didn't appreciate the whole like we do this better for, I don't know. I, I feel this whole show has like tread a very yeah. interesting line with mental health. And it, it does all make me a little nervous. And I don't think anyone watching this is agreeing with Masha because we've established how crazy she is. That mm-hmm. I, I hope nobody at home is like, wow, that maybe the, there's something to this. Maybe I should abandon my pre-prescribed drugs and take ayahuasca instead. Uh, no. Yeah. No, I don't Please think don't that do that. Is, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is possible that anyone is watching yeah. this and thinking like, well, this looks like a good way to heal myself. No, I really don't think anyone is watching this at all and thinking that. Well, yeah. I, think, I mean, I think there are plenty of people watching the first few episodes thinking that. Mm. Yeah. And I think they're right. Like, there's plenty of research to say that, like, if you're not a violent psychotic, right. like a little bit of microdosing can really help with like a lot of things. depression yeah. or anxiety or whatever. Like, but like, don't take but, it too far. <laughs> yeah, but if you're already seeing things and are like, like maybe stick, stay away from the drugs that make you see more stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I was watching this thinking like Masha would most deaf be a COVID vax denier. Oh, a hundred percent. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, she'd be pushing the ivermectin so hard right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Goat ivermectin though, not horse. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we are definitely living in the darkest timeline. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The fact that, you know, we can even define characters as vaxxers or anti-vaxxers. Uh <laughs> Weird. Speaking of which, Jenny McCarthy is an anti-vaxxer, and she is Melissa McCarthy's cousin. Oh, yeah, and Melissa. they don't like each other very yeah. much. Yes. Yeah. yeah, come get Was your it? cousin, Melissa. Didn't yeah. <laughs> didn't Jenny McCarthy have Melissa McCarthy as her assistant before? Like, as Melissa McCarthy was trying to like break into the business, I think that mm. she worked as Jenny McCarthy's assistant, which sounds like the worst possible job. Also, and like I, jokes on Jenny McCarthy, like right. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's really it's too bad. It's sad for there. I I listened to Melissa McCarthy on something. Or maybe it was someone talking about Melissa McCarthy and like working with her at like the Groundlings or wherever she came out of and um, kind of being like, wait a minute, why aren't you the famous cousin? Like, why is Jenny McCarthy the famous one here? Because she's terrible. And um and so I just feel very vindicated for that person and for Melissa to mm. now be like, she's, I saw on her Instagram today, she's working with, um, oh man, I forget his name. He's the Irish guy who plays the oh, cop yes. in Bridesmaids. Oh, yeah. Oh, what is his name? Yes, I saw that too. Yeah, that'll yeah, be a so fun she's duo. Something called The Star. O'Dowd, Chris she's O'Dowd. Now, which is it, his name I'm is, excited for. Yeah, his name is Chris O'Dowd. Oh, that's and right. I yes. have. I have mm-hmm. such a crush on him, for sure. He is adorable. Yeah. So, did the, I mean, there weren't there weren't that many standout lines in this one. What, what do you guys got? What's your favorite line, Rebecca? Um, I really liked the. It was kind of a throwaway line when Francis was talking to Masha about Tony, 
And she said, I've never had a man talk about doing domestic tasks or buying a house pet with me. Just <laughs> <laughs> something about the concept of like, a, and then Masha at one point also refers to them as like house dogs, which mm. I think is yeah. a very Russian thing. Like you've got to make a distinction between like random dogs and dog. house dogs. Yeah. And I was just like, this is classic. <laughs> I loved that. Um, yes, that, that was an enjoyable moment. My favorite was Tony saying, where are the fucking f- smoothies? Fuck the fucking smoothies. Yeah. yeah. Someone <laughs> need to say it. Like, yeah. Somebody needed to address that all of a sudden our smoothie porn that we were so in love with got ripped away. And mm-hmm. thank you, Tony, for doing that. I, um, there's a scene where Francis, like she walks in on Masha and I, I think it was Lars, and she's like, I need some straight answers here. Why are you in the bathroom together? And I just thought <laughs> that was funny. And But then there was also a very sort of sad line that came from from Napoleon when he said, reason is no match for pain. Mm. And I was like, this is what this whole show is about, basically. It's a bunch of people willing to do unreasonable things to get rid of their pain. Wow, deep. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> uh, I am the philosopher. Um, so if you had to be stuck at a wellness retreat with one of these people this week, who would it be, Carolyn? Um, it would be Tony because he's, mm. uh, yeah, it would just definitely be Tony. And I would have left with him. And he, I don't care that it was the drugs fueling it, but I would have been like, yes, let's go get our house dog and paint our front door of our house and get the mm-hmm. fuck out of this crazy asylum. <laughs> like Tony take me away what about you Rebecca who do you want to chill with this week I'd like to chill cliffside with Francis and talk about mm-hmm. our childhood I think it would be really <laughs> good for both of us it's mm-hmm. cute yeah I've, for me I feel like Lars is the only option mm. this week like first of all I want to be hot on the trail of yeah I was going to say him. this definitely you'd love to be like Lars's number two like yeah I could yeah. see that for you um but everybody else is just like so unhinged or depressing <laughs> or just like going through some shit. And it's just like Lars is like, I just got to I just got to tell the story. Um, I'll get back to you in a couple days when this is all over. Um, and Ben and Jessica are just like gross at this point. Yeah. Just, Stop like, being so just, happy and normal. They're, yeah. They're yeah. just like rabbits, like humping all the time and floating around in their in their gross hot tubs. <laughs> yeah, that hot spring looks worse and worse every episode. I just feel like it's getting so cloudy, like there's no cleaning, there's no drainage. Ugh, hate it. Do we have, are we doing uh, treatments? Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, but like there is no therapy happening anymore. So what did you guys come up with for a favorite treatment? I mean, we saw a sauna, like an actual sauna, which I think mm-hmm. was the first yeah, time we saw that one. That one was yeah. fine. I would advise against proprietary blends of any psychedelic drugs but especially ones that contain ayahuasca dmt and lsd like yeah don't don't drink any tea that glory gives you um that's a good plan stay away from glory's tea uh that was really it though right there was i'm trying to think if there was any other treatments we saw well ben and jessica are still just like doing their thing hanging out in the hot spring and whatever but like i mean carmel got uh, taken away on a stretcher and given shots and pills to calm down Sedatives, and locked in a yeah. room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a treatment. That's a choice. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't... I, I think that between getting taken off on a stretcher and given sedatives and locked in a glass room, drinking Glory's drug tea, or sitting in a sauna, I guess I'm going to go with sauna. Mm-hmm. It's the right that, choice. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about that choice, Yeah. I feel like they need one of those scream rooms or those rooms where you can just go and break stuff and maybe like, (gasps) maybe Carmel wouldn't be so um, dangerous if she could just like have an old TV to throw in a room or something. Wait, I really want to go to one of those like destruction holes where you can just smash a bunch of shit in a soundproof room. Where do we find one? I don't know. I I think it would literally solve all my problems. So (laughs) DM us if you know of one in the Connecticut area. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's time for recommendations, but I feel like Carolyn and I are going to have the same recommendation, and I have, like, nothing to recommend outside of that this week. I think we've co-signed on recommendations before. Yeah. I think that's And I fine. have, like, kind of a secondary one, too. So go um, ahead, reveal. So 
I, I'm on the nose this week on Colin on the Colin McEnroe show talking about only mysteries in the building and murderers. We only murders. Yeah, in sorry, the, only, only murders, murders in the building. In the building. Um, on Hulu, also on Hulu, it, it's apparently like the most watched show on like uh, the premiere night ever in Hulu's history, wow. and it's just suck at nine perfect strangers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and. Um, I was watching it even before Colin asked me to to watch it because it is right up our alley. It is yeah. like about I smell true a mini episode addicts. coming on. Yeah, yeah, it's all about true crime addicts just like trying to solve a mystery in their building, and it's kind of funny. And I, you know, I know Rebecca, you're not on the Selena Gomez train, but there and at times I'm really like. I can't tell if the dialogue is bad or if it's Selena Gomez, but... Yes, thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just say one thing. It's just the Selena Gomez of it all, but also there's something about it that reminds me of a Woody Allen movie, and I don't mm. like that. <laughs> but I think it's a very compelling mystery, and Martin Short and Steve Martin are obviously iconic. So... I have no Woody Allen baggage. I've never watched ugh. a Woody Allen movie because I find him enraging and annoying. Yeah. I always have. And so... Um, so you're probably right, but I just don't know, and so I don't care. Yeah, I get the Woody Allen vibe, totally. But um, truth be told, even though I hate Woody Allen, I did like a lot of Woody Allen movies. Um, so Steve Martin wrote this show, and actually, as annoying as Selena Gomez, like, she doesn't always sit well with me either, though I am kind of impressed with her performance in this. And what I'm most impressed by is that I found out that she somehow ran into Steve Martin somewhere and he was telling her about this project he was writing and it was originally going to be written for three old dudes that were like mm. loners living in the building and Selena Gomez told him no you don't need an old dude you don't need a third old dude it has to be me and mm -hmm. she made a case and a, a strong enough case that he bought it that it needed to be her in this show and that I will never not appreciate a hustle like I get yeah. it girl so uh, that made me kind of love her uh, and it gave me a whole new uh, insight into Selena Gomez. Like the fact that she saw this opportunity and was like, no, no, write this for me. Rewrite this and make it me. And, and it, once I found that out and I like read that interview, I was like, I, I became much more on board with her. I also think like she was right. Because, first of all, true crime addicts are millennial women. Yep. Yeah. That's just all there is to yeah. that. And, like, they're, like, 75% of them. So, like, to just have three old men who are all obsessed with the same podcast, like, doesn't necessarily ring very no. true to Yeah, me. I'm all about having the millennial in there. And I think it w I wouldn't have been interested in the show at all if it had been three white yeah. men. But because Agreed. it had that millennial. And there's got a lot of great lines around that. I just wish it wasn't mm -hmm. Selena Gomez. But you know what? She's winning me over in this. Like, especially in the last couple episodes, I am, um, I'm really buying her as a character and she's really giving me an interesting performance. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying her a lot more than I thought, uh, I, I, than I thought I would. So. I feel like I'm on her side a little bit because first of all, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen Selena Gomez in anything else. So I have no idea if she always you didn't watch this way. Barney and friends as a child. No. <laughs> no, I did not. I was too old for Barney. Um, but, um, like she's got this very monotone delivery, which first of all, I feel like I can relate to. I, I don't <laughs> think my voice does a whole lot in the modulation range. Um, but like, and I so I don't even know if that's a choice or not. I don't. Can someone tell me? Like, does she always sound like that, or no, is that like no? Her that's a choice. That's too a, cool millennial shtick. That's a choice in this, and she is trying to do some sort of uh, kind of that millennial, mm -hmm. you know, influencer doesn't give a shit though kind of vibe because that mm -hmm. is not her normal. She is not normally that dry. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. But the point is, is this show is my favorite thing to drop for a while now. I, I really, and also Tina Fey, mm -hmm. like T Tina fucking Fey in this was a real treat surprise. As um, uh, Ersatz Sarah Koenig. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. Da- vocal fry and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I need to pay attention to it more clearly. Like, this is the kind of show that my partner sort of started watching without me. And then I was like, oh, I think I might be interested in this. But then I was like, mm, I don't know about Selena Gomez. I was literally like kombucha girl going back and forth with this show. But if we do a mini episode on it, I will watch it and pay more attention and probably find more to love about it. Yes, fans, let us know if you want us to do a mini show on this, because we will clearly, apparently, all gladly do that. Yeah, even if one of you say yes, we'll probably do it. Just take us one. One hero among you. Since Um, I am going to co-endorse that as my recommendation, but I will also recommend some frivolous fluff that I'm obsessed with, which is The Circle on Netflix. I think I've endorsed, like, every other season of this show. It's the third season. I am fascinated by this show. It's a social media reality game show Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is so interesting the people are a little over the top they are just so they they find the most excitable people ever to be on this show but the twists are really fun and it's a really interesting uh look from a like psychological and sociological perspective of kind of our our world in social media and it's just Mm -hmm. really fun too um, so I highly recommend The Circle on Netflix as well. Rebecca, what are you wasting your time on this week? <laughs> oh, that felt like a personal attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're all doing it. Oh, so I, there's only two episodes of this out, uh, but it's very good. It is the latest installation of American Crime Story, and this one is on the Lewinsky scandal. It's called American Crime Story Impeachment. Beanie Feldstein is playing Monica, and she is killing it. Sarah Paulson is playing Linda Tripp, killing it. Clive Owen is Bill Clinton, killing it. And most importantly... Clive Owen is Bill Clinton? I know it sounds crazy. I understand. His accent is great. The prosthetic work across the board is great. It's viable. I was really like... And they really kept him out of the previews, so I was like, ooh, this maybe is because he did a bad job. He didn't do a bad job. It's pretty good. Um, But most importantly... Queen Edie Falco, Carmela Soprano herself, is playing Queen Hillary Clinton, which is yes. just... Oh, my. It, mm-hmm. I know, again, sounds like it would be crazy, but it works. And she, How is her accent? I mean, like- it's definitely <laughs> like Hillary Clinton from South Jersey, but that's okay. I'm willing to go there. Like, it's good. I'm really into it so far. I think really the standout is Beanie Feldstein. Like, I was kind of like, I, I've seen her in some funny stuff but I wasn't sure how mm-hmm. she how she do like dramatically but it's really good so far the costume is great I I'm fascinated by the Lewinsky scandal I think like the way we treated Monica is just straight up garbage and justice for Monica we talked about it on Manifest Destiny like if you do one thing as a feminist in this life it's pursue justice for Monica Lewinsky because yeah. <laughs> she was wronged by America and it's great and it's on a FX but I am watching it oh no yeah FX that's I think if I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all I got. Um, that, yeah, that sounds interesting. I t- I agree. I like. I want to like write Monica personal letters or something. I mean, I, we were all kind of too young to be a part of the problem. I think, but still, like I, yeah, it's one of my earlier a, memories. She's also extremely funny. Yes, on Twitter, like she's yeah. great. So follow her, and she's also beautiful like yeah holy shit mm. i mean also yeah the 90s were cruel to her the beret yeah. the whole thing every <laughs> time but she really she grew into herself it also is doing a very good job of illustrating how like bill clinton leveraged his charm and power to be a predator and mm-hmm. i think that i have also over the years been guilty of being like who wouldn't sleep with bill clinton he's so hot like he's got mm-hmm. all this swag and this charm but watching it the way they're kind of filming it, it's like clear that this man is grooming this 22-year-old kid in the office, and it's sketchy. Oh, that, uh, that kind of upsets me, though, because Monica has repeatedly said, like, I was victimized by Kenneth Starr yes. and the press. Like, For I was sure. not a victim. I was a willing participant in this. But it, in this, she could um, be a willing participant and still be a victim of, like, of power imbalance and misuse. and And I think that's what's kind of becoming clear to me in this, is that she very much articulates from the word go, I'm in love with this man, this is consensual, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But like watching the way or the way they've written this, portraying Bill, it's like this is a man that like had a pattern. You know, he, what happened with Paula Jones speaks to it. Like mm-hmm. this was someone that was doing, he was, a, you know, going after young 
quote-unquote vulnerable women where he knew his power would allow him to take advantage and they can be participants in that and still have advantage taken of them i don't know it's interesting y'all should watch it but we can argue about it in the comments because i think it's a a very interesting (laughs) take on the Lewinsky scandal oh i'm definitely gonna check that out all right has anyone sent us a closing line yet has anyone done our work for us yet yeah god oh god guys i feel that our inability to end this show though gets funnier and funnier every week so like maybe (laughs) this is the end now it's just you hear us fall deeper and deeper into an existential crisis yeah it should just be fuck the fucking smoothies that works too fuck the fucking smoothies yep we'll see you next week listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.